Hello, I'm Susie Jones, and it is time to get started with your money. want to remind folks just starting out, if you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that is 1-888-6-ADVICE. You can also email any financial question you might have to your money at wealthenhancement.com. You can also call or text our studio line here at 651-461-9226. Now, here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Wemp and founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Welcome, both of you. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Susie. Hi, Peg. It is always, I cannot, I don't say this often enough, it is so good to be with you both, even if it's not face-to-face. I just always gain from hearing your voices, and it makes me happy. How, how, how's everyone doing today? Oh, fantastic. That's nice of you to say, isn't it? And that nice, Peg? Kind of makes you smile it's a little really, bit. Really? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. I'm very, I mean it sincerely. And, Susie, you were certainly missed when you were gone. It's so good to have you back. Hey, ladies, uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the world has changed a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, We've been living through COVID for over two years now, and it's still not over. It's better, but it's not over. We've had uh, social and racial unrest. We've had elections that are still in dispute, at least in the in the minds of some people. We've we've had Russia invade Ukraine, and all this craziness. We got to thinking at Wealth Enhancement Group with all these changes. What does this mean to people financially? Even at the uh, top of the hour story from the network, they made reference to that that COVID people are less worried about getting sick, but they're still worried about uh, financial things, having jobs, having the jobs that they want. So. We thought it's a good time to go revisit or reconsider the financial planning you've done. If you've been a longtime listener to our show, you've probably done some things right uh, over the years. But it's it's probably a good time to reexamine the things that you're doing and things that, that you've done that maybe were right. But do you need to reconsider any of these things? in the age that we're in now and after all that we've been through for the last couple of years. And Peg, specifically, um, we're, we're going to look through the lens of four different things. We're going to talk about reconsidering how much you save for retirement, reconsidering how long you want to keep working. Maybe you've changed when you want to retire because of what's gone on in the last couple of years. The third one, to reconsider how much you want to spend at retirement and or give away to loved ones. And then finally, reconsider um, how you want to spend your time at retirement. Any or all of these things might have changed based on what we've gone through the last couple of years. Yeah, I actually really like this outline, Bruce, because what's happening is a lot of our clients uh, want to revisit uh, what's this market going to do and how long am I going to live? I mean, these are kind of two top things on their mind because they feel like they need to reconsider some of these things. But first of all, you know, all of them have a financial plan. So we have these plans, we're working the plan, uh, but still it, it doesn't matter at this point in time, but just kind of a lot of these uh, unrest things, people want to just revisit it. And so last week uh, I did end up revisiting several plans and, you know, redoing the financial forecasts and and just working through with the clients. 
because they just need that extra confidence again. Um, and I think it's a, a lot to do with the current events. But I think I like the fact that we're going to go through these four reconsiderations because it is some of the questions we're getting from clients today. So how much should I save? This word inflation. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But one other thing occurs to me, though, the one thing that's consistent, I think, yes, a lot has changed over the last two years, primarily due to this pandemic. But one of the things that I think is consistent is the toughest part of financial planning is probably that conversion from when you stop working and now you've got to replace that work paycheck the rest of your life at retirement, what we call retirement income planning. I think that's always been the trickiest part and the biggest concern, and I think it still is. But these other four things that we're going to talk about can greatly impact that conversion process. But I think that's always been true and probably always will be true. It's hard for people to retire and believe they have enough money to live they want, live the way they want to and not run out of money. Absolutely true. And so there's, there's stages, Bruce, to, you know, so, so first of all, reconsidering how much you save, you know, will I make it? Do you think I can actually, you know, provide a paycheck for myself with what I've saved um, to date? And part of the rockiness right now is that inflation number. And Wealth Enhancement Group has forever, ever put an inflation number in our financial forecast. And actually to the point where some clients argued with us and said, you don't need to put in 3% compounding. I mean, that's just huge. I don't think that's necessary. Well, we argued back and said, you know, in our lifetime, we've witnessed so much inflation and to the point that it doesn't have to be blatantly in front of you, like health care is a big one. And then once I men- mentioned health care, they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's actually gone up tremendously. But we still get the question, Bruce, of how much to save. And that ties back into what do you kind of see your retirement? What, do you, what are you going to do in the first years? What are you going to do in the you know, second trimester of those years? And how about the later years? Well, in the beginning, you and I have witnessed this hands down. You spend more money. When you retire, you tend to have this whole list of things that you wanted to do. And so um, the curve of spending t- tends to go up in those beginning years, then it starts to go down once you've got your uh, wish list kind of completed, and then it goes up again, you know, because of of healthcare. So the other thing is when it comes to how much should you save is, are you trying to replace 100% of the net income that you have coming in the door today? Well, You know, the old rule, I call it the old rule, is 70% of your net paycheck because you're not going to travel to work. Well, maybe not a lot of people are doing that, but you're not going to buy these uh, work outfits. You're not going to have to, um, you know, uh, commute for gas. There's all sorts of things, eating lunch out with friends. You know, all those um, costs seem to go by the wayside. But what I can say is why not? you know, run your financial forecast with 100%. And then we can always take it backwards. Bruce? 
Yeah, a couple things. You said a lot of, Peg, a lot of really smart things there, and I want to pick up the baton on a couple of them and run a little further. Um, the idea of inflation, there's no question we're in an inflationary period right now, and a lot of people are freaking out about that. But we're not, because like, you said, we've always accounted for this. And there's probably a lot of years where the, where the actual inflation rate was not as much as we assumed in our forecasting. But again, the number that we use, we think will be the long-term average. So in any given year, that assumption could be off. But the long-term assumption, most of the time, we're going to be pretty darn close. Same is true with rates of return. We might assume a, an aggregate rate of return on your money of 5 or 6%. And you might say, what are you talking about? I made 20% last year. Well, maybe you did, but there's going to be some negative years out there also. We're talking about long-term averages. So we've always considered and assumed inflation was going to be there. So this is not a shock to us, or this is not an, oh, woe is me. We, we, we anticipated it years ago before it actually happened. The other thing, I want to put inflation in perspective, two things. Number one, the inflation rate that most people know is the consumer price index, which is a random sampling of goods and services. But your own personal inflation rate might be different based on what you spend your money on. And that's an important thing to know. Like you mentioned healthcare peg, which is brilliant, because that's what's going to impact you know, all retirees. But the other thing, we still have to put this in perspective. I, I, I told this to somebody during the week. When I bought my first house or built my first house in the early 90s, the financing, the interest rate on that was 9%. And I thought that was a great deal. Today, mortgages are around 4%. So even though we have inflation and we have increasing interest rates, you got to put it in a historical perspective. At this point, at least, it's not bad. Now, look, I'm not trivializing inflation. I know when you pull up to the pump and it's about 4 bucks a gallon, that's hurting people. I get it. Um, but but we've, we've seen it before. We've seen it worse. And we, we account for it in the financial planning. Um, and and uh, the other thing that you mentioned about uh, how people save or spend more in their early years, that's always been true. I honestly can't think of an example where I had a client that didn't do that. And again, because of what's gone on the last two years does not necessarily mean you can't still go check those things off your bucket list and enjoy your life when you retire. But, but as we said, let's reconsider some things and make sure that the plan is still doable because you may have to make some adaptations based on these things. Yes, and, and um, a lot of people are kind of reconsidering how long they're going to keep working. You and I actually did a show, uh, Your Money Show, on January 2nd, right, right out of the beginning of the year, uh, and it was called The Great Resignation. And if you actually want to go back and listen to it, you can go to wealthenhancement.com and under Insights, and then it says Your Money Radio Show. All of our past shows are there, but as we talk about this Great Resignation, you may say, oh, I would, I would have liked to have caught that show. But it tends to be that people, because of the pandemic, it was kind of this wake-up call. And now they're saying, with the time I have left, I want to go pursue my interest, spending more time with the people I want to spend with, it, with them. And then maybe you didn't even like your job, and now you just want to change to a different job. Um, this working from home has changed, in my mind, 
everything. And it'll be interesting to see where the future goes with that. You know, is is it going to stay the way it is? Is it going to be more flexible? Um, Are employers going to kind of mandate some time in the office? Uh, But when you quit or when you retire, and I've lived through so many people's lives over the last decades, it's such a personal choice. It's, I could show all the numbers. I could show the forecast. I could say I have 1,000% confidence, but it's still a personal choice. You know, do you have satisfaction with your job? Do you feel like you have to save more? And you're not even going to enjoy retirement because you don't feel like you're at your number. And, um, and then just do you see a vision of what you're going to do before you walk out the door? I mean, all of these things are very personal, Bruce. It is very personal, uh, personal to each individual client. And Peg, one of the things I always talk to clients about is, do you enjoy your job? Do you actually like it? Because if you do, and you and I talk about this all the time, we love what we do. We don't want to retire because we we're very blessed that we found something Again, someone smarter than me once said, find something you love to do and you never work a day in your life. That's us. But I know not everybody feels that way. But if they like their job or get some intrinsic reward out of their job, even though economically they may be able to afford to retire, they might not want to. Or they might want to, if they have the opportunity to ease back and maybe work less than full time. So, yes, reconsidering how long you work, it's definitely a great time to look at that. And it it also gets back to what we talked about with the first reconsideration in terms of how much to save. Because, again, you said something absolutely brilliant. This traditional idea in the financial planning world that your goal should be 70% of your working income at retirement, that may be the reality, but that would never be my goal. Why would I want to have a goal of only 70%? How much fun can I have with that? But that may be the reality. And for more people now, because of COVID and the great resignation and and prioritizing to do the things they want to do sooner because life is short and we don't know what the future holds, maybe, maybe Maybe our goal of 100% of your working income isn't everybody's personal goal. Maybe people would say, you know what, I would retire sooner, even though I'll have less retirement income. It might be 70% or 80% of my working income instead of the 100% that we were originally shooting for. But I'm okay with that. I don't want to work anymore. I want to get to the things I really want to do sooner. And again, as you said, it's personal to each individual, and it's our job to help them determine if that personal decision is realistic or not, and we can certainly do that, Peg. Well, and Bruce, it's interesting, too, in the fact that one day you hear you're going to live to 100, right? And then the next day you hear, oh, a lot of people in your age group are passing away right now. So we don't have that crystal ball to know how long we're going to live. So I like what you said in that, If you're enjoying your job, then why quit? The other thing I love, Bruce, is what came out of the pandemic is the value of these 60-plus people became back in vogue. There was a time when it was like, let's get rid of all the 60-plus people. And, you know, we had so many workers that were younger. um, And I had clients, quite frankly, that were kind of pushed out of their position and it was questionable, and, and they asked for, you know, attorney referrals to see if they could 
argue that, you know, maybe it was age related, but I truly see now, and I'm witnessing through this through my clients, is that the value of these seasoned people is very high to these employers. So that's good. But on the backside, we're seeing a lot of artificial intelligence and robotics and things taking jobs from people. So people kind of question, oh, is my job going to be around and how do I plan for that? So I find this great resignation, this entire theme being um, just very interesting because it's it's a dynamic shift. And once again, if you want to listen to that radio show, you can go on our website and it is actually there to listen to. Bruce? Um, yeah, we, we, I think we got a couple minutes left. We may not get through all four of these. But the third one, uh, reconsider how much you're going to actually spend at retirement and or give away to loved ones, legacy planning. Yeah, so what I tell prospective clients especially and then existing clients who need to just have me repeat this, is you have a certain net dollar amount that's coming into your checking account when you're gainfully employed. So that's a perfect measurement for a start to know, are you spending all that? And then, you know, do you want to continue to spend that? Can you afford to continue to spend that? Um, It's so interesting, Bruce, in that people come to us And they'll fill out one of these um, expense sheets, and it's very detailed. Wealth Enhancement Groups are very detailed because it helps people, you know, really find out what they're spending their money on. And then I find that a lot of times it's such a low number. And I'll tell them, I'll say, okay, this doesn't even seem possible. Uh, We must be forgetting some things. And then when I walk it through with them, they're like, oh, yeah, but that's a one-off. Oh, well, no, that was just a one-off, too. No, that was a one-off. Well, in a lot of people's lives, including my own, you know, things break. Um, I want new things. And we have to be, you know, kind of honest with ourselves. What is it that we're going to spend in retirement? Or do you just want the bills like the TV, you know, the heat Uh, things like that, and then wing it. Well, as a financial advisor, I have to get into the weeds and know what your average spend is. So it's not as much of uh, how much do I want to spend. We actually guide the people. How much do we believe you can spend? And we have great savers, Bruce, as clients. And so at the end of the day, I do get to tell a lot of people, oh, you can actually spend more than that. But I'll tell you, too, that if you've been a good saver all your life, you are a terrible retiree because <laughs> you just do not want to spend your money. And I t- it takes more energy for me to get them out there and spend, you know, because we live through all these people's lives and we, we celebrate these great times with them, but we also celebrate Um, or we have to console, you know, the bad uh, things that happen. And so witnessing all of that, I truly encourage the clients to go have fun. Life is short. You can afford it. Bruce? 
Yeah, we'll we'll wrap up here, and then uh, we'll finish our discussion in the second half and get listeners involved. But on that point, Peg, it's funny because you're right. I have way more clients that don't want to spend their money, and I have to encourage them to spend. I think listeners would probably assume the opposite, that we have clients spending too much, and we have to talk them into less spending. And that does happen, but that happens, in my case, far less frequently. And all this comes back to retirement income planning. And, and again, I'm not trying to do a commercial for our firm, but we're very good at this, and we work with our clients. A lot of people in our space are good at helping people accumulate money, but they don't want to help them, and they're not good at helping them spend it. And that's actually the tricky part, that transition into retirement. We help them know how much they can spend and what money to spend first, and how you do that and what you spend and spend the smartest money first is going to make a huge difference in how long your money lasts and how much you can do doing it efficiently versus inefficiently. Susie, I knew I know we're due for a break. Let's do that and we'll finish this discussion when we come back. Perfect. It is your money. And if you have a question now, it is your opportunity to call 651-461-9226 if you have a question for Bruce or Peg. And welcome back. I'm Susie Jones and it is your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can always call one eight 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 six advice or you can email your question after the show to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But right now, if you've been listening to this conversation on retirement, you can call or text 651-461-9226. That's 651-461-9226. And now, once again, here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer, welcome back, guys. We have a tech. Oh, we're going to finish up our our list of things to prepare for, and then we'll get to some texts and questions. Is that all right? That'd be great. We'll we'll get to as many questions as we can. Peg, just to finish up, or just to uh, people that might have tuned in late, uh, everyone that's that's listening, thank you for listening. If you've been with us through the whole show. Um, thanks for sticking in. And uh, we've been talking about financial planning reconsidered, if you just joined us. And we've been talking about how the pandemic in particular, but a lot of things the last two years, now including the Russian invasion in Ukraine, how it inf- impacts us economically and, and, and fiscally. And, and uh, did it throw our financial planning out of whack? And are there, are there things that we need to reconsider or should reconsider or double check? And we're focusing or putting the lens and, or the attention of four key areas. We talked about reconsidering how much to save for retirement, and we talked at length about reconsidering how long you want to keep working. Peg, the third one we got to, and I'm not sure if we finished it or not, was reconsidering how much you want to spend or give away. And then the last one we'll cover is reconsidering how you want to actually spend your time in retirement. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. Uh, We did spend quite a bit of time on um, how much do you want to spend in retirement and but also give away. So just quickly, uh, I find that the giveaway part, yes, we all give to charity. We give some to our grandkids, our children. But in earnest, my clients start giving away money in their 80s. I mean, they look at their longevity Uh, in their 80s, it's just to them much more impactful. They give to charities. They are starting to gift. You know, this year you can gift to any 
individual person, 16000 without it being uh, any kind of a tax or, or uh, deduct on your estate planning. So those are kind, the kinds of financial planning that we're doing in the way of gifting. The, the fourth one, though, is actually a little bit more fun in how do you want to spend your time? And so this is kind of, I'm such a visionary, Bruce, you know that. My entire life and my future, I've got the movie rolling and it's in color and this is what I see doing. And, and so I, I just assume that everybody's like that. But over the years, I'm finding no, uh, that might be a unique trait. Uh, so to get people to kind of vision what they want to do with their time is actually harder than trying to figure out how much they can spend. You know, a lot of people get numbers. Uh, and then you've got couples that maybe don't necessarily have the same vision. And so a lot of times I think that I should have uh, gotten a family counselor degree because we do walk through and, and try to create uh, the vision because that then in turn goes to your uh, revenue sheet. So if you want to buy a second home, well, I have to know about that. I have to work that into the plan. Um, you know, do you want to keep working part-time and do you want to work forever and, and have those resources? So, you know, then spending your time, I just, I love watching people because they're, you know, becoming new athletes, this pickleball, I have never played it, but it is like a sensation with people now that are retired and just to watch them travel, not so much in the last couple of years, but I can tell you they're ramping up getting ready to, um, to travel again. And then lots of volunteer, lots of volunteer. They don't sit on the couch, but once again, they're not necessarily visual people. So it's just walking through kind of baby steps of what do you see doing and then uh, assisting them and how much is it going to cost. Yeah, and and I don't have much to add to that. Again, how you want to spend your time at retirement. The last couple of years, you know, again, may change some things, but I think we kind of covered it with uh, a little bit with some of the earlier topics. Um, priorities may just have changed because of the last couple of years. And, you know, people that thought they were going to do one thing may say, that doesn't seem very important to me now after what's happened in the last couple of years. And maybe I want to start giving money now to, I don't know, the people of Ukraine. And um, and I don't need to take as many vacations. And I, I don't know. It just I, I have a real sense that the last couple of years have changed people, maybe not so much economically. The economics, I think, will still work because the forecasting we did kind of accounted for times where the market isn't performing well and accounted for, times where we had inflation. But it didn't probably account for the emotional changes that people have gone through. And I don't know that we will fully understand the, the, how people have been impacted mentally by the pandemic for decades yet. This is going to be you know, studied and researched, and we're still going to see changes that we're not even envisioning right now. But in terms of your retirement um, I can, I, I've already encountered a lot of clients that just see it through a different lens now, even though economically all the options they, 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 they ever had, they still have, but the priorities of what they want to do have definitely changed. Peg, anything else or we, should we go to uh, questions? Let's get the listeners involved. 
All right, I that's agree. that's my cue. Uh, six five one four six one nine two two six. It is six five one four six one nine two two six. If you have a question for Bruce or Peg, let's take a call this morning from Jean. Jean, go ahead. You're on with Bruce and Peg. Good morning. I hope you can hear me. My phone's kind of weird, but um, my husband is going to turn 65 in July, and we keep getting all this information in the mail about um, having to apply for Medicare um, within six months after you turn 65. If you're going to still be working full-time, do you have to apply for Medicare right away? Hey, Jean. Oh, Jean, th- yeah, thank, thank you for listening, and thanks for your question. Uh, Peg, Medicare, and, and, and I think what's important for everybody to understand is that there are multiple parts to Medicare, and so when they talk about applying, they're talking about, about applying for Part A, right? Yeah, I'm sure they're talking about applying for Part A. We get this question a lot, and people are continuing to work full-time beyond uh, 65. So what we tell our clients is at least post-Medicare on the fact that you're going to continue with your employer. You do not have to take it. And, of course, then you wouldn't need a supplement because if your uh, corporation is still going to offer that. Um, It's interesting that I know that the mailbox gets bombarded with information because, obviously, they must have a database somewhere that tells them when everybody's going to turn 65. But uh, when I talked to the financial planning department on our roundtable recently, the thought was just alert Medicare so that they have that on their records. It really gets down to, so applying for Part A, Part A is free anyway. So so alerting them and saying, I'm not going to take Medicare Part B or C or D right now because I'm still working and my health insurance through my employer is actually more cost effective or more comprehensive than Medicare would be. So yeah, it, to, to get back to Jean's question, it's just the idea of letting them know what you're going to do. Because if you don't, if you don't tell them anything, then then they don't know. And then I think I don't know if there's I don't want to say uh, financial penalties, but there's there's some negative consequence into not communicating. So so just just yeah, just file and just tell them. Uh, I'm still working. I'm not going to uh, file for benefits yet, but I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I am 65, but I'm going to stay on my employer's insurance. And you just, you just have to tell them that. All right. Let's take a text question. Hi, I'm wondering if scanning my financial records to save on clutter is a legitimate way to archive my documents. I worry about cybersecurity. What are your thoughts? Gosh, Peg, we've had variations of this question countless times on this show. You know, we've been told, you and I have been in the business about the same period of time, and it's a long time, and we've been told since we got into the business that we're headed towards a paperless business. And I don't, I don't think there's ever been more paper than there is now. We, we are nowhere near paperless, but this idea of, what do we have to save in terms of hard copy as the technology improves? What can we save, you know, uh, on our computers, uh, our, if, we're, if they're secure and so forth? What do we save? How do we save? How much do we need to save? Should we, you know, what, what, what's, let's, let's broaden this out and tell everybody kind of what we recommend in terms of financial record keeping. 
Yeah, I often think when you talk about records and it comes to financial is I think of like a net worth statement and all your holdings. And then secondly, I think about your taxes, you know, having those as a long-term record. Well, uh, I lean heavily on Wealth Enhancement Group and my husband when it comes to technology because it's just changing so fast. And I have to give a big shout out to Wealth Enhancement Group in that, you know, our security and um, we don't custodian assets at Wealth Enhancement Group. So, you know, we're with other outside custodians. So they've done a great job of improving uh, security. So when it comes to scanning, and I think about the old fax machine, because do you do you, still today, uh, fax machines and faxing somebody something is safer than, you know, number one, going through email. But you can't, um, you can't send something through email today without sending it through some kind of a secure link, you know, making sure that, you know, no one can get that information, the people that you don't want to get it. So <clears throat> then the, the second thing is, is when it comes to taxes, I feel like I, I I love my folders. I have to tell and, and people who know me know I love my folders, but yet I've had to go to creating these folders on a computer, but then that's actually even more complexity, right? Because you have to know how to secure something within your um, computer system. So what I would say is if you don't have somebody or yourself that you understand uh, the liability or the exposure that you have um, of things on your computer, then you actually have to get help because it's that important today to make sure that all your documents are secure. Wealth Enhancement Group has what's called a portal, and you know I call that all the cement walls around it to make sure that it's um, secure. So we do a lot of our communicating and clients share information with us through that portal, which is including tax returns, which we believe is a great way to keep everything confidential. All right, 651. Oh, do you want to jump in there, Bruce? Did you have a final? That's okay. That's okay, Susie. I just want to keep going with texts and calls. 651-461-9226. Ross is on the phone with a question for you guys. Go ahead, Ross. Good morning, everyone. Um, just a general question here. I am uh, I am a 56 year old union electrician. I have stopped working two weeks ago. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Actually, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's a year ago. I stopped working two weeks ago. I am filing for Social Security disability. Um, I'm planning on that being a successful um, application, and I intend to live off of my pensions, security, leave my 401k alone. I have no debt. My wife continues to work. In general, what's my next move? What mistake could I possibly be making that I, I can't foresee? Hey, Ross, thanks uh, again. Thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, the great question. And best of luck to you on, on dealing with Parkinson's. I've had a lot of clients go through that. Um, I know it's scary, and I know it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a, can be a horrific disease, but it, it can be manageable also. 
and um, and uh, good luck dealing with that. Um, Peg, it sounds to me like just you know the initial things that Ross said. He's probably going to be successful getting uh, Social Security disability. He has no debt. Um, he's got. I know um, union electricians have a great pension. I've got several clients and friends that that do what Ross does. They have a great pension. His wife is still working, bringing in income. It sounds like, despite the the curveball that that life threw Ross with Parkinson's disease, that financially, economically, they certainly seem to be on a positive track. Yeah, so one of the things that I would look at right away, and I'm accustomed to seeing, is pensions don't necessarily have an inflationary feature built in. So when you turn on that pension, it's usually a flat amount and never to change. So when we hear the word inflation a lot, um, you're probably going to have to supplement that pension down the road. When it comes to Social Security, Social Security does have an inflation number. The only negative to that and what we've witnessed is that the cost of um, Medicare has gone up. So that's very inflationary. So even though uh, my clients are getting an increase on their Social Security, some of that or all of that is being absorbed by the higher Medicare cost. So I was really happy to hear that you have a 401k and that Um, hopefully you're still planning at 56 years old and you have a wife that you still want to grow that long-term because there's going to probably be a need to supplement with that money. The second thing I would say is, um, you know, now that you're not going to be working, um, you know, take a look at what your income may be. It may be lower and this may be a time to start getting the 401k out of the tax deferred and positioning it after tax, either in cash, you know, or investing or converting to Roth IRAs. So um, I would love to see you, you know, get some money into the after tax long term so that once again, when inflation hits, you don't feel like a bunch of it has to go to the government when you pull out of those deferred assets. Bruce? No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, the the so-called Roth conversion, when, when, when Ross was still working and his wife's working, their combined income probably puts them in a pretty high tax bracket. The conversion might be too expensive. But um, if Ross is no longer working, even though he's still got a pension and even though he's drawing Social Security disability, if that income is down a little bit, it's a great time to look at converting some of that traditional 401k money in, into Roth. And Roth didn't tell us, you know, maybe there is already some Roth and whatnot, but still the conversion may make sense. That's where my brain went as well. But Ross, assuming you're still holding on and still listening, I would tell you that, again, uh, our, our, our best wishes on dealing with the Parkinson's, but economically, I think you've done pretty much everything right and you're probably going to be okay. And whether you can convert some of that 401k or not, I think in your narrative you said you don't need it. And, and I agree with Peg. You might not need it now, but you might in five years, but it's good. you still got that trump card in your hand, and you can play it if you need it and convert that into a source of retirement income also. So, again, without knowing all the specifics, just based on your overview, I think you're in a pretty good place financially. Um, and congratulations on that, and, and best of luck dealing with the Parkinson's. 
All right, 651-461-9226. You can call that number, or you can text us a question with about a minute, maybe a minute and a half left of the program. Here's a good question, a good text question. This person says, if I called your office, how would I get assigned a financial advisor, and what is that process, and are you taking new clients? Okay. Yes, so you call our office. Um, we have a what we call the first impressions team who takes those calls. And then it's usually uh, by location. So we have, uh, we have offices around the nation today. So they'll ask questions about where, you know, do you, would you like virtual? Would you like in person? What are you looking for in a comprehensive planning firm? And then they'll try to coordinate um, an advisor to that that would match. And then they set up a, a, a free consultation, if you will, you know, so that the advisor can get a little bit more in-depth knowledge of what you're looking for and then what it would cost to engage a wealth enhancement group in that first introduction meeting. Bruce? Yeah, I agree with Peg, Susie, and, and Texter. It's uh... – Probably geographical is the first consideration, but I know they also look at trying to match. Uh, I mean, all of our advisors are qualified to work with any client, but but some some callers say, and this happens a lot, Peg. I want to work with a female advisor. Well, they they might set that person up with you know with Peg or one of our other female advisors, or they might say, I want an experienced person. I'm I'm sure your 30 some year old advisors are are really smart, but I want to work with somebody my own age or um, if it's a young caller, they may set it up uh, that caller up with a younger advisor. Again, thinking it might be a better synergistic fit. So I think it's primarily geographical, but they look at other criteria. And also at the end of the day, Peg, they look at calendars. Someone might say, I want to work with Peg Webb. And they say, well, she's booked for the next three weeks solid. And they might say, I don't want to wait that long. I know he's not as smart, but I'll take Helmer if I can get in and see him sooner. <laughs> so it's a lot of variables. A lot of variables. Oh, dear. Well, on that note, I might jump in here and tell our listeners now if they have a question that did not get answered during this hour, they can always call 1-888-6-ADVICE. That's 1-888-6-ADVICE. And they can also email that question to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. Again, yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. Guys, it's been great. We'll see you next week. Take care. Have a great week. You too. Thank you.